All your sailors near and far You honest men know who you are All of you who dare be free Combine with us upon the sea Together we will drink a toast Ride the wind on down the coast See the merchant ship aboard Raise a jar and swing a sword Watch to see the merchant captain crying When they see the black flag flying And now it's time to sit back and enjoy The Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast Disney won't stop. Hope Molinex and Chris Honeywell have finished Clone Wars twice and Rebels once. Now they move on to Resistance and beyond. I'm Gene Gene, the MC Machine, and this is J-Guys and Jedi. Hi everyone, welcome to a brand new episode of J-Guys and Jedi, a weekly podcast covering every episode of Star Wars Resistance. In this episode, Kaz and BB-8 uncover information on an imminent pirate attack and must find a way to stop it. There will be Pirate Mom, Plot Trophies, and Phasma of Tarth does nothing, which is what she does best. We're talking the Triple Dark this week. How you doing, Chris? Good. Good! I'm doing good too, even though this is going to be like weeks later. I'm so excited about all the High Republic stuff that starts this week. I'm going to go pick up my Charles Soule book tomorrow. I'm going to get the first comic on Wednesday. I'm going to review said comic on Sunday. Like, I'm ready for this High Republic stuff. The High Republic, that's the one that Cheech and Chong are doing, right? Ah, pedunce. It's a, it's a joke. <laughs> I know, pedunce. <laughs> That you need to put in like a little uh like drum like <laughs> rimshot that's called yeah are you having a good week yeah not bad not bad yeah yeah busy week you're always busy though it's nowadays it's always a busy week yeah you gotta it's... be careful don't get that burnout friend well. Yeah, I've been hearing that for the last 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> you know, story of my life as well. About the time I turned three, I've heard it the last 30 years myself. <laughs> I haven't truly burned out since college. College, I burned out because I wouldn't sleep. I, yeah. would, do, I would do classes, but I wanted to keep my partying and social life active too. And I would just say, well, I can do with three hours sleep. And so I did a couple, like, sleep for 24 hours in college, but, yeah. I did did burn out about midway through 2020 because I had launched a business and I was just trying to figure out what was working, so. But now I'm I'm getting to a much better place with that, so I, but I did get that a little bit last year, so. And luckily we have a much more, like, we have a very flexible second podcast, too, so. Yes, Actually, it was interesting because um, well, we did I was... all the work at the beginning and got way ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's been really nice, though. I will say we're still two episodes away from Gravity Falls, where everything changes. So I'm getting there, I'm just like ah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's good. It's good. So it's funny well, because I feel like we're putting it off, but it won't actually change when it comes out. When the episode actually comes out, to when we yeah. finally get to that point. 
Yeah, I mean, honestly, like I'm, I have enough. So uh, yeah, I was just gonna say when we hit that that episode, it'll still be a month before it hits the air, so three weeks to a month. Yeah. So in case anybody wonders, like Chris and I purposely record about three to four weeks ahead for so like if we get into situations like say, oh, in a couple months I have to go out of town for a wedding. Uh, we have the time. Oh God, it's a, gonna be a COVID wedding too. Ugh. Um, we'll, we'll, we can take a, take a week off, so. <laughs> it's better than a red wedding. Oh, it could be a red wedding. Please, <laughs> oh, fingers crossed. Let's hope, oh, yeah. I Jeez. hope It sounds like all precautions are being taken at the actual wedding. My concern is the everything else around it of, like, staying with people who might not be following the same guidelines that I do. Yeah, that the stories that have been coming out of weddings and stuff like that is it's one it's the, the one person comes there and then like at the end of the wedding they're all drunk and he's like, "Oh yeah, I've had covid the whole time, you know, and but I wore my mask most of the time." Yeah, I'm not yeah, it's, drinking it's usually like, something purposely, like that. So yeah, I'm not drinking purposely so I can like keep my distances. Like I love <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I am purposely I totally keeping my distance. So my my concern is uh having to stay with people. That's who might too bad because Drinky Hope is kind of fun. So Drinky Hope likes being wine. Wine Hope is fun, but uh, <laughs> Wine Hope is uh definitely not going to be Wine Hope when she's in Florida <laughs> <laughs> in March. So yeah, we purposely record ahead of time just so in case stuff like that or for sick or something. So uh. I don't know how you people do it when you record week to week and re- release the episode in the same week. I've done it many times. I've done it yeah. on mo- most shows I don't get ahead on. So Ugh. I know how they do it. <laughs> it sounds It's horrible. that skin on your teeth is how you do it. Mm. Mm. That whole like, I must get it done now. It's doing three hours. Yeah. Yeah, yep. it, it helps with the Yeah, yeah. It definitely call, uh, defeats procrastination. I call that the fear it's the fear of missing the deadline so i call it the fear the fear the fear that's what i called it in college so grip grip by the fear triple dark yeah i'm ready so did you like this one it was okay i i like i i have i don't i want to say i have problems but i understand why a lot of people like didn't didn't uh gel just were like yeah we're just like got a couple episodes in on this and we're just like okay this is not gonna be for me but luckily we do a show where we have to do it and we have to we have to uh watch them all and we get through those rough parts just like that show the boys the second season of the boys ended in the most crazy way but the first three episodes are a little slow i didn't find them slow but a lot of people so a lot of people just sort of like watched the first few episodes of the the show and were like oh this is going nowhere and bowed out and meanwhile it turns out to be the craziest season ever you know if you just get into where it gets going so i could see why people like lost patience with this or were just or who weren't as invested as we are just were like okay this is this is not what I'm used to and you pretty much have said one of my notes um because that's kind of how I feel too um for the longest time like this was my least favorite episode this is my third time watching it 
So the first time I watched it, I was just like, oh, God. The second time I watched it, I warmed up to it some, but I still had the same issues with it. But this time around, like, kind of going into it, knowing my problems with it, I actually really enjoyed watching this time around. But the thing is, is exactly what you said. Um, actually, since we're, I might as well go ahead and just talk about it right now. Um, because one of the biggest, this, this is where I feel like Resistance kind of stumbled out of the gate a little bit. It's this episode and the next episode, where they really, like, I don't want to say double down, but they really embrace kind of the slapstick humor. Yeah, it's um, very, very is, slapstick, very kid-oriented. Slapstick humor is not a norm in Star Wars. We don't get a lot of slapstick humor. It, so it, it's, it's, it's in it's there, but it's, it's... It's something that's kind of new It's something that was peppered in before, and maybe like in the droids cartoons, stuff that was separate and aimed at little kids would have more yeah. slapstick humor. But slapstick humor was just like peppered in into all the Star Wars, just here and there. You know, each movie would have. It's not like maybe a full three or three yeah, three or four bit. little yeah, three or four not extended not this yeah this sla- slapstick com- comedy was sort of a good chunk of uh, this episode, of this show especially yeah, this episode especially. But it, it definitely kind of like simmers out like later on but like early in this episode and next episode is like when they really have that and i don't think that's necessarily a bad thing um it's just something that's as we were saying like that's not the norm on star wars so i think there is an adjustment period and i think that's why i kind of didn't have the same feeling about it this time around because it's just part of resistance um resistance is a very positive happy fun show and it's just part of the fun that is resistance so that doesn't make it bad but at the same time, it's something that's not for everybody. Well, and it's the that's most okay. Disney show so far, you know. Huh? It's um Rebels was more Disney than, than Clone Wars, obviously. Mm-hmm. This is more Disney than than um than Rebels was. It's but so it has funny. a lot like so 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 like in like with the Disney like the look and the characterization of Disney characters can be really tropey but so it like you have to i think they had to spend the first chunk of the first season of of the beginning of the first season you know you have you you have the characters but they're kind of generic so you need a few episodes to get them developing a character you know what i mean instead of just sort of their general shape they they get to meet people and forge interactions and become more real characters before you can start throwing serious plot in there, you know, that that has consequence, especially if you're aiming it at a younger audience. You want everybody to get to know everybody and just and just to be having a good time. And it, and you want to slowly, you know, like this one, they 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 um, added some, you know, the, the I, I, I always forget their names down in the in the supply Oh, uh, the turtle folk, the show no, folk. No, no, no. The, um, oh, uh, Orca and Flicks. Or, or, or Flicks. They, they, you know, they, they go back to Orca and Flicks in, in the second one. So they, they strength, you know, they, they build their character. Their characters are even starting to get a little familiarity with Kaz, you know, and being like, oh, you know, I hope you can pay this time. Okay, Kaz, you know, and you can tell they have an, and so they're slowly connecting all the people and getting all their you know 
roles to you. So you you end you have a, a first few episodes where they're going to be kind of light and goofy. That's actually purposeful. Um, yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah, because uh, I don't can't remember if I put it in my notes last week or not. But Dave Filoni had um, when creating the show, he wanted it to be like Cheers. So every time you came back to the same location, you got to know the people more. Like it, it was very purposeful. Um, and I actually really wanted to point out when you said that it was very Disney. Um, I just wrote an article, and this is over on GeekyGirlExperience.com, called "The Recruit: Star Wars Most Unique Opener." And it dawned on me as I was writing this article that Resistance is very much in the realm of modern animation. Um, and, and I started really thinking about it. Like, Clone Wars came out in the wake of Avatar The Last Airbender, and it's very much like Avatar The Last Airbender. Rebels ran alongside shows like Gravity Falls. And as we're going through Gravity Falls right now with Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons, they have a lot of similarities where they're a very fine mix of both plot and character. And then recently in modern animation, we've been seeing these very character-driven shows. And it hit me that Resistance actually functions a lot like shows like Amphibia and Star vs. the Force of the Evil, which are both right. Disney shows. And, and it was shows, aimed what, at an audience that's probably watching that's, no, that's, no, those that's shows are aimed at, too. That's not the point I'm making. The point I'm making is, is that they are character-driven slice-of-life shows. And the whole purpose of, say, like Amphibia is Anne spends the entire first season getting to know everybody in Wartwood. And it, and there's really no plot. In like the, something like 40, 10-minute episodes, there's only three plot moments that really drive the first season. Everything else is world-building and character-building and getting to know the people. And it hit me that Amphibia and Resistance have very similar season ones where Anne finds her friend Sasha and Sasha betrays her. And then season one of Resistance, Tam betrays everybody by going to the First Order. And it it makes both shows entirely shift in tone and plot. And the plot kicks in in season two. Same thing with Resistance. And and same thing with, with a show like Star vs. the Forces of Evil. The entire first season is just like slice of life. Star is learning the human world and going to school. That's it. And then you hit the end of season one and the villain shows up. And then she has to like protect both this world that she's come to love being Earth. And it's it's so resistance actually fits very much in the realm of modern animation. Um and what's well, happening. Yeah, it's gotta speak the language that the kids the kids are of the stuff that the kids are watching. You know, kids, but animation's very popular with like teens and adults. Well, I like, know. I know, but at the same time, they that when when they make stuff like this, they make it with a, at a bottom level. You know what I mean? They 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 make it so adults like it too, but they make it down like there's adult like you know PG thirteen. So it's adults. They they're like adults should like this down to thirteen, and then you have to start judging as a parent, you know, and mm-hmm. stuff. But I think you know I think Re- Resistance and Rebels both went down a little below, below 13 into the into like you know 8 years old 8 to 6 to 8 years old maybe even with resistance i don't know about a 6 bob well, these I days don't think, i don't think it's that yeah, i think the target audience is higher than that i think the target audience is always higher because nowadays you know i mean i'm 53 years old and i'm from a huge you know a huge chunk of my generation and every generation after it loves genre 
you know, loves genre stuff. So, you know, we, they, they, they know that, 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 I mean, I, but you know, they, this resistance would be like a show that like a young, you could watch with a younger kid and they would really get into it. You know, it would be more, it would be more in tune with the, the stuff that they were watching on because young kids are watching those shows too, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and when they're watching those shows, they pick up, you know, that's the, the language of how stories are being, it's just sort of, it's sort of, you know, it doesn't even really, it's not limited to like children's entertainment. It's like adult entertainment is being written in that way too, you know? And it's like the, yeah, it's like, like the reboot of Star Trek is being written in a different format than people used to make Star Wars TV shows because that's how we make TV shows nowadays. Mm -hmm. So, and, and, I mean, I feel it when I'm watching it. I feel like I have to I have to take into account that like all right, I have to slow down on the they 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 have to slow down on the characterization and that'll come out in my notes a, a little further on here, but you know, they have to they have to slow down a little on moving characters forward and and sort of exaggerate the characters a little more, you know, play them more broadly. That's so interesting because I feel like this builds so well on last episode, character-wise. It does, it does, yeah. but it it does it in it does it in smaller, Chunk. smaller chunks. Yes. You know, yes. it takes it takes care like it, it's it's going to take Kaz longer to to learn the. Le I find myself wanting to shake Kaz through most of the first half of the first season and just go, look, you didn't learn your lesson last episode, <laughs> you know? So, but that, uh, you know, to, to, to make a fair comparison, um, Ezra and, and, uh, Soka went through similar things. Like there's a few times where Ahsoka has to learn how to, has to learn patience and not be hot headed and actually get people killed sure. to learn her lesson over and over again. Ezra too, and, but, but as, yeah. but, but they both would pick stuff up. They would learn, they, they would learn their lesson and then they would take it to heart and they would be different from that, that point on, you know, they didn't have to learn it two or two or three times. Like basically, the only person that was no, learning lessons and not picking them up was with. Anakin. That's what I disagree with because Ahsoka had to learn some lessons two or three times. The biggest one yeah. being patience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but I think it's well, we'll we'll get into it because I, I think so different. much of it is also built into Kaz's character flaw. He has a very specific character flaw that's very grating, but it is his character flaw that he needs. So. Anyway, you ready? Yeah. <clears throat> we just took down like chunks of our notes right there. Before we even, we're going to get to the we action. Just, like, we're going to get to the action. We're like, going to come into part two and go like, oh, this note, it's dead on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to be like, so uh, act two. Well, at least we didn't do it before we started recording or something like that. That would be funny if we did like a 10 minute show. And so, sorry, we talked about all this stuff before we started recording, guys. <laughs> we didn't want to go over it again. Act two. This scene was pretty. Anyway, act three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On to act three. All right. <clears throat> 
The Triple Dark is the second episode of Star Wars Resistance, and it aired on October 14th, 2018. It was written by Kevin Burke and Chris Wyatt and directed by Sergio Pais. Some extra information for you. Gwendolyn Christie reprises her role as Captain Phasma. Her other works include Game of Thrones, The Hunger Games, and Wizards vs. Aliens. Even though she may, plays a much bigger role later on and only has a cameo in this episode, this is the first appearance of Sonara San. She is voiced by Nazneen Contractor, and her other works include Star Trek in the Darkness, Castle, and The Expanse, which is I, something I hear is really good. I've heard The Expanse is really, really good. Pirate Captain Craig and Gore is voiced by Gary Anthony Williams. His other works include being the shark bad guy Rift Hampson in Clone Wars during the underwater arc. He's Gron, one of the Lasats in Star Wars Rebels, but he's also Mufasa in The Lion Guard. Freya Fenris is voiced by Mary Elizabeth McGlynn. She's the voice of Governor Price in Star Wars Rebels, as well as one of the voice directors at Lucasfilm, including for this series. Her other works include Steven Universe, Ghost and Shell as Matoko, and Julia in Cowboy Bebop. The rest of the pirates are voiced by Lucasfilm regulars like Dee Bradley Baker and Fred Tadaskior. Tadaskior. Our erodium, the metal that makes up Kaz's prize trophy, is incredibly rare, rarer than gold. Its usage in Star Wars dates back to a uh, mention in the 2000 novel Rogue Planet. All the pirate gear, costumes, ships, and accessories are originally created from leftover Imperial parts from Star Wars A New Hope to Star Wars Return of the Jedi. The original design is... Uh, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. In the original design briefing from Dave Filoni and Kiri Hart, it stated that the First Order would be providing the old Imperial tech weapons and uniforms to the pirates as part of their trade deal. Each pirate ship and... Uh, sorry. Oh. What did I write there? Oh. Each pirate and ship have their own theme, but they were heavily influenced by chop shot hot rod cars and trucks. The lead pirate ship is a Lambda-class shuttle with several modifications, added guns, more power... Powerful engines and added wings. The different mechanics. Uh, oh, this is a more about, and I just thought found this interesting uh, because I never knew this about the colorings of Tam's clothing and other people's clothing. So I just thought this was a cool like world building note. The different mechanics on the on the Colossus have special patches that designate their specialty area and assignments, and different colors of the same patch to indicate a higher or lower level of expertise. Tam's is red signifying the highest level of mechanic experience. Acquisitions and janitorial have their own unique patches as well. And finally, Yeager is meant to have his jacket since uh, uh, ja with uh, I can't read tonight. Yeager was meant to have his jacket since he was young. Intentionally, there is a missing patch on his left arm, but a dark spot can be seen where it used to be and the rank badge in an existing patch on the front of his jacket are unexplained. All of these were intentional on the design part and meant to add mystery to Yeager's past. You know who also has a mysterious past? Mmm, very mysterious. Hi, Yoda. Lots of Yeager in, in Yoda's past. Mm. <laughs> Not Yeager, but Jaeger. Jaeger Meister. Mmm, Yoda Meister. the Meister. Mmm. The Meisters of Jaeger. Mmm, when the teacher becomes the Meister. <laughs> How you doing? Okay. Well, Yoda, since we have a new show, I just want to let everybody know 
So, we like to ask our friend Yoda here questions every week, but we also need questions. So if you want to send dear, sweet, gross, disgusting Yoda here questions, <laughs> you can send it to us either um, at the Two True Freaks Facebook page, um, where you can just leave a comment in the episode, and I believe my email is hope at twotruefreaks.com. Um, I'd have to double check, and very soon we'll be having a new website, so when the web- new website is up, you can leave it in the comments of the website as well. But we need questions for Yoda! Look at him! Look at his sad face! He needs, he needs questions! Yeah, only you can help prevent sad Yoda. Oh, so sad. Sad Yoda. <sighs> Yo, look at this squishy face. Look at the squishy face. He's so <laughs> cute. <laughs> All right, well, since we are starting a new, and I know this is going to be coming out weeks later, but you know what? We're in a new show, and I was wondering, what are your resolutions for the new year, Yoda? Mm, Yoda must give Yoda more Yoda time. Mm, spending too much time in the force, yes. You, how are you saying you need to force your Yoda time? <laughs> oh, Yoda. Funny joke! Um, yeah. <laughs> Too much time in the force. Force ghosts, blah, blah, blah. Qui-Gon, blah, blah, blah. Nothing to do over there. Want to talk to Yoda all the time. Hmm. How's the real world, Yoda? Mmm. Mmm. Anything exciting to tell us about the real world and feely things? Mmm. We feel nothing. Mmm. Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> and Yoda has mm, take care of his the problem with his toenails. Oh, so better, better toenail health this year. Need, need to get that taken, get it looked at. I mean, you walk through a swamp. Yeah. You gotta keep those feet dry. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing stays dry in swamp. I know, Nothing. I know. Well, um, we will get you a doctor appointment scheduled to get that looked at. Just, oh, oh keep it. No, please, please put it away. Keep it, oh, keep no. it away from me. Is that right color? That's no. not color. Oh, I don't think it's supposed to be that color. Gross, oh. <gasps> 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 I think he needs to go. <gasps> there he goes. Oh, oh, that was disgusting. Yeah. That's what, happens. Yeah, that's... that's what happens with those old fellers, though. <laughs> yeah. To quote Darth Maul opening the door to Zeb's room. He needs some mechanical toenails, was what he needs. The, the thick in space, they could do that for him. To quote Darth Maul going into Zeb's room, that is a smell. I don't think I don't think the Jedi healthcare plan is active anymore. Oh, like the Jedi had health. There was an entire uh, episode of Clone Wars about that because Ahsoka found out that the other the non Jedi working at the temple didn't have health benefits. <laughs> remember that? I forgot about that. Yeah, I remember <laughs> it now. She was like, what do you mean they don't have health insurance? We're the Jedi. And Anakin's like, I don't know. I don't know finances. (laughs) (laughs) Entire episode about that. All right. Were you ready to get to act one? I am. All right. Act one. 
We open with the stormy seas and skies around the Colossus. Team Fireball is bringing in a customer for a rush job. Kaz isn't participating at the moment as he's unpacking his new living quarters. He didn't know he was going to be... Oh, there we go. He didn't know he wasn't going back home to Hosnian Prime, which surely nothing terrible will happen to Hosnian Prime at the end of Season 1. That would be horrible. Nope, no siree. He doesn't have much with him, but he does have his very lucky trophy on him, which is going to be the plot point of this episode, so look how shiny it is. Kaz stands up and is like, Okay, it's time to activate my character flaw from last episode, which I don't have to take accountability for anything last week, which means I can ignore Yeager waiting on me to be a mechanic. It's time to be a spy! And BB-8 is like, Oh, this is going to be a long season. Best Boy Niku comes over and sees all of Kaz's three whole things. And Niku is like, wow, I'm so poor that your three things make you seem like you're a rich person. Wowee. And Kaz is like, who says I'm a rich person? I am certainly not the son of, of a senator. Who's Kaz? <laughs> Niku points out one particular item and Kaz says it's his very lucky plot point trophy. And he claims that it, uh, and he crams it into his jacket pocket, which apparently doesn't have buttons because it keeps falling out. Yiku calls them all over and gives Kaz his first assignment as a mechanic, which Kaz is not very happy about. And Kaz makes some air quotes that go, right, mechanic, right. And Yeager's like, it's funny how much you don't realize that I'm being serious right now. So the rich client is all snooty about his classic ride, and Yeager reassures him that Team Fireball is the best in the galaxy, and that does not include Kaz. Because as Niku is working on the ship, Kaz is like, So, say if I was a spy, not that I'm a spy or anything, but what do you think a first per order person would look like? And then Kaz almost kills Niku by giving him the wrong part and not asking questions and trying to learn how to actually be a mechanic as his cover story. And then he makes this really loud reverb sound that nearly deafens everybody, but that's important because it's also a plot point, so yeah. So, you know, it's a rough first day for Kazuto Ziona. And neither the client nor Tam are very impressed. And the client moseys off to take care of other business. Tam starts asking Kaz where he's from and what his mechanic training is. And he is the worst liar, and she can definitely tell that something is going on here. Yeager pulls everyone aside to pay them. Niku and Tam are really excited for their cut of pay. And Kaz focuses on what he doesn't have, never having to budget money before. And he is like, um, Yeager? I don't think a human being can live off this amount. And Yeager is like, yeah, I know, but we make it work. And then it dawns on Kaz what Eat the Rich means. Kaz wants to spy, but Yeager wants him to do his job. So he gives Kaz some money to go buy... <laughs> I forgot I wrote this. So Kaz, he gives Kaz money to go to everyone's favorite gay uncles to get some parts. So Kaz decides that he can get both the part and do some spying. And he breaks out his best cronk from the Emperor's New Groove impression and starts elaborately slinking around the market. And Kaz quickly realizes that there's a lot of people on the Colossus, and it's not going to be as easy as he thinks. But as luck would have it, he just so happens to overhear two men arguing. And it's better to be lucky than good any day, says the trophy. 
But when he starts to listen in, he just realizes they're talking about race bets. But oh no, the men spot them. Oh, spot him, not them. There's not plural Kazes. Um, it turns out they work for Greville, the little shitty dude who fucked with Kaz's dark game last week. And oh boy, does Greville truly remember Kaz and how the kid owed him money from the game that Greville rigged and lost on his own abilities and then blamed Kaz for. But if you play stupid games, you win stupid prizes! And Kaz tries to give him a full pay. <laughs> and Kaz tries to give him his full pay and Greville looks at it and goes, That's not even enough for a cup of coffee. And Kaz is like, yeah, I don't honestly have any concept of money. So he runs away. End of Act 1, what would you think of it? It's okay. This is where I was going, okay, I see why <clears throat> people sort of pieced out in this. Because it's, it's a little frustrating with, you know, with the character. Although I did think of a, a good moment, like... You know, I'm always saying, you know, these characters could have really fixed everything up if people just used their words. Yeah. Although they could have done this, but it would have messed up the whole plot for <laughs> season one. But like, I mean, really, um, at some point, Poe should have sat him down or even BB-8 should have just told Kaz, like, look, dude, you're a spy, but you're just here to, like, catch something if something happens. If you're out I, look, looking for something and reporting stuff, you might give yourself away. You might ruin everything by giving away information or, you know, you're just you're just sort of here, you know, just to keep him out of trouble, you know, because he's instantly like that. so obvious. He's and and that's why it's so like the broadness of the character. You know, there's no subtlety to him at, at all in his his, you know, I'm going to detect spies you know and i also it, have a note about that um so i started thinking about like that and i think that's actually more of a note of kaz's privileged upbringing yeah uh, we, we were talking last week about how he has this very romanticized view of the resistance and what it's being a, what it means to be a spy and I, I, you know i bet it's those kind of stories that like he either read or grew up with because he had a very sheltered life and so like it's him trying to live out this fantasy, but it's clashing with the real world. So I think that's, and, and part of that is I think his privilege is showing too, because he, he almost, I, the best way to phrase this, and this is going to sound so much meaner than how I mean it, but uh, Kaz, I think, thinks he's better than the mechanic job. You know, he his spy job is better than the mechanic job when he doesn't realize that being yeah. a mechanic is his cover story, but I think that's his. And he, ta- and he doesn't take it this... seriously. He, yeah, he doesn't... and so if... like I think that's his privilege and his romanticizing the resistance, and it's just colliding really hard with the real world. And mm-hmm. when framed in that way, it actually works really well, even the slapstick, because then it makes sense for his character and what was established last episode. Yeah, he's he's naive, but mm-hmm. the the um. If he was a more, I mean, it wouldn't work as well plot wise, but I mean, just from my experience with like kids who are like really privileged or whatever, who like get put in, like say get put into a restaurant and end up being a dishwasher or something like that, you know, some like some kid about Kaz's ages, they have, but there's also an element to where they're intimidated too, because they're, they're, they're out of their element. And and Kaz from the very from the very beginning of this, like the first thing off the off the off the boat, so to speak, was seeing someone getting chucked in the water and, you know, 
people are pulling weapons on him and you know out there's predators out to to feed on him like immediately you know he owes the dark guy money and he almost got beat up by the one guy and so you know he's but he you know and and I think it would be more realistic that he would sort of almost like overcompensate and be like really backed off on it. But at the same time, he's also, also part of privileges. You don't feel like physical, like danger as much. You don't have as much of an awareness of it. And, you know, he's not like a veteran of battles or anything like that. So he, he doesn't, know the consequences of getting you know his face beat up (laughs) in a bar fight or something like that so he just doesn't consider it as a possibility and that comes up later in this episode too say what i'm sorry and that'll come up i have notes on that later in this episode that sort of come back to that same point so i I oh sorry i was just gonna say i don't think kaz fully understands the consequences of being in the resistance until he watches his own planet blow up and i think that's when it crashes into him so well hard. there's be yeah because then it's it's lethal it's, they're, they're killing people who yeah. <laughs> for yeah. the resistance and and all that so but at the at the same time he's 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 seen some consequences of like people getting chucked off the edge and you know, and he was in that situation of like, oh, yo, oh, yeah, you're going to race or you're going to get chucked off the edge. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I mean, they're playing it. They're, they're playing it for more. It was this is it's it's not a sitcom, but it's more comedic. And so it's better for him to be more comedically bumbling about it rather than like a a, a real rich kid who would get very like probably intimidated at first for a while and once he got settled in then he might get a little overconfident again and be like i've got this figured out and i'm friends with the you know i'm slumming it with the blah 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 but this isn't that kind of show like if they were going to do that kind of show it's also not Kaz's character like i i think one of the very defining things about Kaz is he's a very positive person um, last episode and this episode at his two lowest points, he picks himself back up and cause he has just that very sunny outlook and disposition, which is just like ingrained in him. Um, so I, I don't think it's his, it's in his nature to be like really intimidated cause he's just such a go-getter. That's just part of who he is. Yeah. But, but sometimes people like that, when they get hit with <laughs> the, the harsh reality of, you know, he's all of a sudden he's basically in a frontier town, you know? Well, you mean like when we get the first few episodes of season two and he has lost everything and he's in a manic, frantic panic for two episodes, just trying to fix everything because everybody he knows and loves is dead until he finds out his dad's better. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See, and that's what I find so interesting. Like, uh, they do, uh, they do such a good job of that because it's the, oh yeah. Yeah. I agree. Yes. (laughs) They get there. They get the, They get to where he's a fully functional character. But they, they, they You know, it, it, it's you, you have to. You have to. You have to get there to get there. <laughs> and a lot of people. I just think a lot of people didn't really uh, want to get. Didn't ra- get really, yeah, we're really not like in into get in, into getting there. Just thought that it was going to be like that forever. Which I mean, 
if they'd watched Rebels and Clone Wars, they know it's not I, like that. But it, yeah. it, it, at the same time, it's not also uh, very much not like Clone Wars and Rebels. So they probably just were like, okay, this is what it's, this is what it's going to be. This is what we're going to be working with. So it's almost like people had never seen a Dave Filoni show before. And then maybe they haven't, you know, or or they'd seen it and. You know, I mean, it is different than Rebels, and it is different than, it is. Uh, than Clone Wars. So it, it very much is. It, it is, it is. In the same article I, I quoted earlier, I mean, I compared it to the Star Wars novels because the show, the the function of Rebels and Clone Wars was to fill in the plot between Episode two and three, and the plot before the original trilogy. That is their function. Like, those two shows actually affect the direction of the Star Wars galaxy. Yeah. Resistance doesn't do that. That's not the function of this show. It's the it's actually the opposite. It's how the galaxy affects these people, which I don't think people were quite ready for because they compared this show to the two predecessors, but this show is not doing what the other two were doing. It's a completely different function. It's and also it, in it's also in the Disney verse, which is in set in a different time period, and people people might zone out over it over that. They might want the you know more people might want stuff. I think people came that, into the show wanting it to explain the sequel trilogy, and it didn't. Which is yeah, it's not what it was trying to do. No, it wasn't. Yeah. I mean, we figured do, that like, out right away. Yeah, <laughs> that it wasn't, wasn't going to be happening. It, it doesn't do, and it does some, I, w- I will give it that much. It does some here and there, but like, I think people came into this show expecting it to be Clone Wars and it was more like Lost Stars or Master and Apprentice or, yeah. or, um, or, or A New Dawn, where it's this state, like this pocket of the galaxy that doesn't change the universe. And I, yeah. I, yeah. Anyway, what's the rest of your notes? That's it. That's all I got. Okay, so for my notes, um, to kind of touch about what we were talking about the spying scene earlier, the only part of that note that I had left was uh, I started noticing the people in the background doing that scene, and there were just people in the background just, like, watching Kaz go by, like, what the fuck is he doing? Exactly. <laughs> it's really, really funny. So he's, I being, actually... he's drawing more attention by trying to be sneaky. Yeah, I know, I know. There's one guy in particular, like, it's it's when Kaz, like, hits the pole. He, like, watches Kaz go by, and when Kaz hits the pole, he kind of winces, like, ooh, ow, <laughs> that child, what is he doing? Um, my other two very shallow notes was uh, Kaz learns budgeting. <laughs> he learns how to budget. Actually, he doesn't. He really doesn't. Their style, their, 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 their money is baffling to me. It's like, all right, so... Kaz gets one, but but Jaeger only gets three for himself. You know that's uh, the, 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 it, it it just didn't. That's and then business. When it, you pay your employees before you pay yourself. Well, no, that what well, I'm just saying. I'm saying like it's it just seems like units of like the unit of money that that thi- that that bar must be is a is a good chunk of money or you know it's like it's like getting paid in like it's not but, even like 50 dollars because uh Kaz says is this enough for a meal and niku goes half a meal yeah so, so, it's so they just money. say that so it's like okay so jaeger gets a meal and a half out of you know it's it's 
it's just it's just weird and random and like it's like sends him sends him down with a meal and a half's worth of money to go get parts yeah. and stuff you know yeah, so it, it's saying. just it's just like a plot element so that you could tell they didn't think out the money that much it's just like Yeager has more <laughs> Kaz has left this isn't enough <laughs> this is yeah. too much so I didn't take that it, as like Yeager's cut because he immediately turns around and gives it to Kaz to go get the part. So I, I didn't take that as Yeager's cut per se. But I see what you're talking about. Like the money does not add up. I'm gonna I'm gonna be paying attention to that from now on because it's the same thing with Star Trek. Sometimes they have money, sometimes they don't. Sometimes there's you know you can't figure out what the you know what the what the what the hell is going on. Yeah. I love- my my only other shallow note um, is every time I hear the d- line of dialogue from Niku about him eating his pet, it just hits me every time, and it's so fucking funny. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> I had a pet named Lucky, too, and then he died. So I ate him. <laughs> I love Niku. He's the best boy. <laughs> that line always gets me every time. Um, actually, speaking of Niku, I, I was thinking about this um, after last week's episode. And we were talking about how he's kind of like the Drax character and he's very literal. But I'm wondering about whether or not that's his function for the series is him being the commentary of the voice of what's happening on the Colossus. Does that make sense? Where, because, and I started thinking about it when he was talking to Kaz about like the social structure and the hierarchy of like uh, the aces live up there and they have better things and we're poor down here. And so I was I, I was thinking about that, and that's something I kind of want to watch because I think that is kind of like Niku is kind of like the emotional check in of what's going on with the yeah Colossus. he's the, he's the Jiminy Cricket of the the show sort of yeah. he's not Jiminy Cricket whereas he's actively reminding people of their their moral center, but his existence he's a morally pure character he's he is yeah. he's he's poor portrayed as annoying at first and it's the second time through i'm finding kaz way more annoying than niku because i know where niku's going and so he feels more consistent with his character not and i'm used to his character so he didn't seem as annoying as he did the first time i watched it but kaz is but i think niku is is just he's the he's the pure he's the child he's like i think niku is the character like if you're a little kid you're sort of projecting yourself into Kaz and Niku and uh, as you're just sort of avatar. And uh, it's so funny, but I think because it might be a difference of age, but like I never found Niku annoying. I found him just really funny um, in, in the same way that I find Drax really funny. Um, so it's it, so I, it might be an age thing because like. The people who Dra- I know, I, I find Drax funnier, but I like the. But Drax is drier. Drax is dry. He's, he's, he's got a different, different approach than Niku does. It's funny because I worked with a guy that reminded me of Drax, and I worked with a guy in the same place that reminded me of Niku, and it's <laughs> and it's funny, and they were not alike at all in that in, in a lot of ways, but they were alike in 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 some very specific ways. But uh, yeah. Yeah, 
because so mostly I was thinking about like maybe that's his role in the series is just being almost the litmus test of what's happening on the Colossus and I really started thinking about it like later on in the season when the first order starts coming and I, I remember specifically a line from Niku which was something along the lines of like I also feel safe in a losing my freedoms in terrified way <laughs> like and so I, I'm going to be really interested of kind of viewing Niku to see if he fits that role um, and a little nod towards like kind of the social hierarchy of things. Um, Niku was looking at like Kaz's like whole like two items he had on his bed, and he was like, "Wow, you have so much stuff." And I was like, stuff. "How poor are you, Niku? Like, what is the poverty level on this?" When and that's when the money scene happened. I was like, "They're the poorer people," and Niku is just like really the voice of like them being below the poverty line. And it's very interesting watching. Yeah, yeah. Every, everybody there is just existing hand to mouth. Is what yeah. basically it it seems like. Yeah, so it's really interesting watching like him function like that. Um, I said that line. It's funny though because like mechanics. Like, usually when you're on the other side of the story, when you're in the space adventure people, they're usually getting getting taken to the cleaners by the any mechanic. That we're, you know, we're going to start in the mechanics like, we can fix it, but it's going to cost you. And then they go, oh, how are we going to get the money? And this one, it's just like, well, oh, you know, <laughs> oh, here, here's three bars, four bars for your effort, you know? <laughs> yeah. And so so it's 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 funny. So it, it, they, they should be high paid. They should be like probably make it, you know, the ones there that them and and uh, and the the you know anybody selling supplies like machine parts and stuff should be. Although they don't they don't come off as poor. They come off as pretty comfortable. You know, they go off on vacations. <laughs> the mechanics. Yeah. No, the um Orca and Flicks? Orca and Flicks. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. <laughs> they so they act com- they act comfortable, you know what I mean? They have they, they have a sort of yeah. they, they But act- they also budget later. Like they, they are very much businessmen. <laughs> they know yeah, how to Well that's them. what I'm saying. They're they're yeah. they're wily businessmen and Yeah, I away, I thought you were still talking about the mechanics, so I just I lost the train of the conversation. No, the mechanics should be. I would think the mechanics yeah, yeah. should be making bank, but you know, it doesn't serve the story too well. Mm-hmm. Um and the only other note I have, and it's just kind of a small note was it kind of hit me this time around that when Kaz is unpacking his stuff, he says, I didn't get a chance to go back home. And it dawned on me that he's never going to get a chance to go back home. So, like, that's everything he has. That, like, on the on this watch through, it kind of hit me up just like, oh, that's all he has left is the clothes on his back and his trophy. So it's just kind of like an extra hit of just like, oh, that's all you have. So <laughs> Anyway, that's all I had for Act 1. All right, Act 2. Act 2. So, Kaz is running away from intimate death as Greville and his goons are chasing him. And they dive and they weave through the marketplace where everyone else is just sort of fine with all this kind of activity happening in their daily life. Greville sneakily trips Kaz, keeping him down long enough for his dudes to grab him. And they haul him off as BB-8 watches from afar. And in the scuffle, Kaz's plot point trophy falls out of his pocket. And Greville is like... Um, this is made of one of the rarest metals in the galaxy, and it's worth a lot of money. And for once, 
Cass looks angry for like the first time in the series and he looks like he is ready to throw down for that trophy. But it's BB-8 that comes to the rescue. BB shocks Bolza Gruel, the, go- the Gorg salesman. Bolza Gruel, the Gorg salesman is hard to say. And he, as he's passing by, and Bolza throws all the Gorgs at the goons, allowing Kaz to nab his trophy and run away. And they hide in a box. But oh no, that box gets pushed down a chute by a droid. And it just so happens he lands in the office of gay uncles. And Flix and Orca are like, Hey, new kid who we adopted last week, how can we help you? And Kaz gives him the order for Yeager. And he really needs a button for his jacket because that darn plot trophy just keeps falling out of it. And Flix is like, wait a minute. I smell money. And the uncles oogle the trophy, saying that Kaz could live the best life on the platform of that thing. And Kaz says it's not for sale. And then he gets grabbed by someone new. And he groans and turns. And then he panics because the person is worse than Greville and his goons. It's a really, really, really pissed off Tam. And she gets the part and literally drags him by the ear all the way back to the garage. And Yeager is equally pissed off and tells Kaz to stop, start putting in the compressor. And Kaz is like, but I don't know what to do. I don't know how to mechanic, but I guess I'll try with a very important customer that you know that I don't know how to mechanic, Yeager. And as he's putting in the part, he overhears the snooty client call into someone named Kragen, who most certainly isn't a pirate getting ready to attack the platform or anything. And the client says that he's ready for a triple dark. And Kaz is like, triple dark? That must be important because it's the title of this episode. And he finishes putting in the compressor somehow with zero knowledge of mechanics and pats the client on the back. And the client's all jumpy and he accidentally throws his comlink down a hole in the shop. Well, the client blames Kaz for it, and Kaz is like, um, you're the one that threw it, buddy. And Tam looks at him and goes, sounds like you from the last episode, when you spent the entire episode blaming Niku for your own actions. And Kaz nods like, ooh, good job using my own character flaw against me. Well played, Tamara, well played. And the client, client is all huffy, gets in his ship, and he flies away. And the moment he's gone, Yeager goes, you had one job. And Kaz is like, you know in media to never give anyone just one job because no one will ever do just one job. And Yeager explains that the mechanic thing is his cover story and it's just as important as his real spy job. He says that the average person doesn't even know what the resistance is and doesn't think there's a threat to the New Republic. All upset, Kaz and BB-8 walk out to the docks. And it's important to note that there is a storm brewing off in the distance. We get some backstory on the plot trophy. Kaz tells BB-8 that his senator father didn't want him to race. But Kaz did did it anyway and won, proving his father wrong. And he's going to keep on proving his father wrong now, as God is his witness. He's a positive character that lifts himself up. And a dock worker comes over and tells him that a storm is coming. And it's going to be a triple dark. And Kaz is like, oh, triple dark. That's the title of this episode. What does that mean? And the dock worker explains that a triple dark is a type of storm with super low visibility. And the pirate Captain Kragen loves using them to attack the platform. And Kaz is like, wait, wait. Shit! Kragen is coming! They're going to release the Kragen! 
And BB, it's like, that's a horrible joke, man. Don't Ooh. ever. Don't Ooh. ever use that again. <laughs> Ooh. And then I'm you just pawn that joke off on Kaz, too. Boo. <laughs> I, I see you, Hope Melanex. I better use that joke so much. <laughs> get used to it now, everybody. Anyway, uh, before Kaz can get back inside a word, everybody, Greville pops out and he's just like, haha, I have a gun. And Kaz is like, ah, you have a gun. And Greville's like, haha, haha. But don't worry, everyone. The pirates choose that exact moment to show up all pew, pew, pew. What do you think of that, too? Other than my terrible joke. It was better than part one. It had a episode <laughs> one moment in it with the old, la- like, basically the old lady going, Storm's coming, Annie. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, that episode one. I thought you meant, like, the episode from last week. <laughs> no, no, the actual episode one. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, yeah, Kaz is just, Kaz is a worse, wor- worse faker than Ezra ever was. Like this, this, and this is just sort of like more of Kaz being selfish and clueless. But it's, it's the thing about this show is I never have to worry about like whatever getting too annoyed by the stuff going on because it's always visually beautiful. And this, the the way the storm comes in, and this is really nicely done, and the way it looks on the outside of the is just beautiful to watch. But um, yeah, it, it's uh, it was. That's, that's about all I've got to say about it. <laughs> Actually, I have a question for you. Yes. So, last episode you were saying that BBA didn't need to be here at all, but BBA is kind of the MVP of this episode, and he continues to be the MVP for the rest of the season. So, I, I was just wondering about, like, have you did you change your thoughts on that? There's nothing BBA did that another droid could do. And that was kind of my follow-up. It's like, because a lot of Kaz's dialogue in this episode is directed at BB-8. So if BB-8 wasn't here, then who would function in that role? It would be Bucket, you know. You could okay. develop, you, I would, you know, but I think they wanted to, you know, BB-8 was the new droid in town and they wanted and they wanted to link it with the new stuff somewhat and, and uh, um, you know, pose, a, pose an expensive voice. And uh, so, you know, yeah, so like basically we'll have BB-8 on there and the kids all will recognize BB-8 and stuff. But I don't know. They, could, I mean, Bucket, I mean, BB-8 wasn't doing anything particularly. I'm I'm a droid of the resistance, you know, like giving Kaz any advice or something, you know, like telling him, like, shouldn't be sneaking around like this. You should be doing your job or something. That's what Poe would tell you. You know, or anything like that. He was—he's just his backup. He was just this—the—the—the the, the, uh, trusty backup droid, you know, and he's zapping people when he had to. There's, there's a couple moments where he's just like, "You should be doing your mechanic stuff." He's like, "No, BB-8, I'm a spy." Like he—he he did uh-huh. have a couple of those moments. But Bucket, Bucket would say that too, because Bucket's a mechanic droid, you know. So, I mean, just—just, just, I mean, I understand why they have BB-8 there, but it doesn't—it yeah. wouldn't have narratively. It wouldn't have to be BB-8. They—they. They, if they put another droid in there, everything would have laid out exactly the same way in the end as it did. Yeah, yeah. I, I understand. I was just wondering if your thoughts had changed on that, but I see what you're saying, and I agree. Because I do think Bucket really does get the short shaft in the show. Yeah, um, I thought he was going to be a character like, you know, Chopper or something, you know, and uh, yeah. he's very, he's sort of similar to Chopper, so I was going to, I was interested to see how they were going to differ, because the 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 Filoni verse will do that. They'll set up somebody that you're like, oh, this person's just like this person from the movies, and then, 
you know, you know, and and then they and then they you know I I uh, Chopper was just R two D two but more cranky and aggressive, but you know he he becomes his own character over the show and uh, Chopper is Chopper you know, mm-hmm. and they could have done this and Bucket is the same sort of thing but they could have you know by the end Bucket would have been more like a cranky old man than than Chopper who is just a you know murder. runty little asshole yeah he's just and, a murderer yeah just a murder <laughs> asshole and whereas bucket would have just been more like a cranky old man you know maybe a slim pickens voice if he had a human voice just like oh i don't know like the old old um slim pickens voice robot in the black hole something like that you know but you know they could have they, yeah they do do it but they do it with cb23 yeah. Um, because she takes the BB-8 role, and then she's there for the rest of the show. So they do do it. It's just not in the normal like thing of yeah. No, a droid does yeah, get to play that role. A little it's just bit, not Bucket. But, yeah, Bucket's just sort of there and shows up every once in a while, but is not the character that BB-8 was. Yeah. In the yeah. tier of characters. Most of my notes are shallow, so I'm just gonna go through this. Poor Bozel Gruel. He just wants to run his Gork stand, and he keeps getting wrapped up in Kaz's shenanigans. That's oh, everybody, to... man. Poor buffer, floor buffer guy. Yeah, oh, poor Obi Pitt in love story with his uh with his floor cleaner. Um, I will forever love Orkin flicks. Oh my god, I just I just also love their animation. Like they're yeah they're visually they're awesome. They're so like like when Kaz is looking up and the shot is upside down and you just see Orca's just long spindly legs coming to the shot before the rest of him like. They're just so good. Yeah, between like, their characterization and their voices, they, their characters have the most personality so far of the whole show. Them and like, and I And I don't mean just like, oh, these guys are interesting personalities. You can read, like, you, you, just from the way they're portrayed and their interaction, you can read more into them than anybody else so far. We're only two episodes in, so there yeah. you go. But, I, yeah, I would just because... very well done. Done, oh, yeah. I was just gonna say, I think the coolest runner-up is Aunt Z. Yes, yes, but she has a lot. She has a lot of like work ahead of her because she's done ahead of her t- by us because she's a you know she's a bar owner. She's a type that we know. We know that yeah. like she you know okay this is a la- tough lady in the bar who knows everybody's business you know. Yeah. And she 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 has her own personality, but we already have that trope in play. These two guys sort of but these two guys are sort of more like a trope from real life. These two guys are more like the two, the guys you go when you go to the auto parts store and you know, you got the guy at the front desk and the guy Hey Bob and Bob comes out in the overalls what and they've worked together there for forty years and they probably should be married. And you know Only they, this time they are. <laughs> except they are, yeah. Well, yeah. we don't know they're married. They could just be together. They could be space hand-fasted for all we know. I know. It's almost like we don't know that they're husbands <laughs> and or boyfriends in the show ever. They could ever. be living in space sin for all we know. <laughs> a lot of people do it these days, or those days, I should say, since it was a long time ago. Me in the gut. <laughs> that one came out of nowhere and like punched me in the gut. I Thank you. Expect- I was not expecting. Uh, all right, I'm glad I'm here to punch you in the gut every time. I was once not in a while. expecting the word space sin to hit me that way. <laughs> space sin, the best sin of all. 
Anyway, my my next note. Um, the sweetest sin of all, space sin, rated XXX. I also just kind of thought of like sin in space. (laughs) 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 You've sinned on the beach. You've sinned in a hotel room. You've sinned in your kitchen even. But are you prepared to sin in space? In space, (laughs) nobody can hear you sin. (laughs) All right, anyway, anyway, moving on. Um, My next note is just very minor. It's more I just want to put a pen on it. Um, Kaz going down the chutes in this one and going into acquisitions, that's just a plot device we're going to see later. So it's it's more just, um, and it's, you know, going through chutes is very common for at least Jedi characters. But uh, the chutes do become a plot device for the rest of the series. So I just wanted to put a little pin on it that this is the first time it's used. Um, I like seeing Kaz's moral, though. You know, we, we spent this entire episode and, and most of last episode watching him struggle to adjust to this new life and fit in here. And we know that the trophy is they very, very heavy handedly hit home that this trophy is worth a lot of money. But this I is like my seeing... valuable fuck you, dad trophy. Yeah. <laughs> fuck you, dad. This is my trophy. <laughs> I just want to hear Christopher Sean say that in Kaz's voice. Just like, fuck you, dad. Fuck you, Dad. Look at this trophy. Do you got one of these? No, you don't, Dad, do you? <laughs> Christopher Sean, if you ever listen to this, please record in Kaz's voice just him Hope going. Hope it for a ringtone. It'll be Hope's ringtone after that. <laughs> Your dad will be like, will you shut that thing off? Yeah. I, I think the reason that uh that moment just kind of resonated with me a little bit is because um, I've been in that position. When we were losing our house to foreclosure and we were trying to save it, like we were going through the really hard process of like, what do we save and what do we keep and um, what do we sell to try and save the house? And so when it comes to like those hard moments, it makes you really look at like what is truly sentimental and like something as simple, like it, it was hard of like going through like Christmas ornaments you know, like, set, like figuring out which of your lifelong Christmas ornaments do you sell and which ones are truly sentimental to you. And so I, that that just kind of like really resonated with me for the first time in this episode, because that is a, a moment. And I, and I like that with Kaz's character, because we got to see that moment where he is choosing to struggle versus a much cushier life that yeah. he can have. He's early on in, though. Like, I mean, he doesn't really get like like hungry you know starving but i guess if he was starving he would do the do the math differently but yeah yeah i I wouldn't give up that you know my fuck you dad trophy yeah so um there is a little nice uh world building here and again it's wrapped up in dialogue eager says that the average person doesn't even know about the resistance and that little line of dialogue does a lot of legwork to explain the society and politics around the New Republic. Well, I mean, I think that's uh, <laughs> that's that's politics and society in general. I, you know, yeah. you know, I mean, there's like I mean, that's the thing is it's like anything like politics is something people are interested in or they're not interested in. And if they're like it, like some people are like, I just don't pay attention to it at all. And a lot of people are like, I'm just going to pick up whatever I can pick up from the news and here and there. Just I'll pick up what people are saying and stuff like that. And that's, the, you know, 
like I would be to some pop culture thing that I didn't care about, like wrestling. But if I heard something about the and the news about a wrestler, I could talk about it at work with my coworkers. But I think that's the thing of the galaxy, especially when you're just getting paid one single metal piece a week and stuff on that. Their their thoughts are more in the moment, you know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and and the and the resistance isn't as you know, like the rebellion was fighting the empire, which was enslaving the galaxy and blowing up planets and stuff. Whereas the resistance is just sort of this thing that exists. I think that's and, a really important note because this show takes place during peacetime. Right. And this is actually our first show that's taken place during peacetime because right. Clone Wars took place in a time of war. Rebels was the beginning of the how like the civil war started, and this is a show of peacetime. Um, which is a very, very important note. Yeah. Um, And it's, and it's, and it's in the, it's in, yeah, it's in, it's after, uh, you know, it's after decades of peace too. So it's, it's a different feel. Yeah. So the, the, you know, the first order is just this thing that exists. And if it doesn't materially affect your life, you don't pay much attention to it. You know, they're not, they're not blowing up planets yet or anything. They're just sort of this thing that exists and you know and it's at that point of like if they come here their money's shiny metal like everybody else's i yeah. guess it's not green but you know that's which that's we actually see an sentiment. example of in this yeah. episode yeah 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 where and kaz is like that dude's a pirate spy and yeager's like he paid us <laughs> he just he just he just fed you this week so yeah and uh what if we turn if we turn like away if we turn away floor. sketchy clients, uh, somebody be renting this space in a week, you know. So yeah, yeah, and that's such an interesting, also kind of thing to explore a little bit too, because that does add a little bit of like moral grayness to Yeager a little bit, where he's just like, well, I don't care if he's a pirate spy, he paid me. Well, yeah, Yeager's 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 got that Yeager's older, and he knows like his moral code is is focused in on a higher level you know he's he's more concerned with the larger scale you know i'm here to watch out for you know the first order and stuff like that and to exist here i have to be like that it's a milder version of say cassian you know uh much milder version than cassian but he's not in as as violent and crazy time as cassian too or he might, or or you would get the feeling that, Yeager, or that Jaeger probably maybe has been in that position, maybe in yeah, his past. I think, I think this is a different point because Jaeger actually doesn't have any, because we found out last episode he doesn't even want to fight in the resistance, and Poe has come to him multiple times, um, so I don't think he's in the Cassian position yet, which is actually part of his character journey. Is him I, I'm saying he might have been in that position for di- for whatever you know different oh, reasons. Might have been in the okay, past and has head. decided that he's done <laughs> you know he cassian didn't survive if Caff, cassian survived there probably would have been a point in cassian's life where he's like okay <laughs> i'm gonna I'm stop killing people now you know so you know and i think jaeger's jaeger reached that point you know i uh, but i think when he was younger he might have like you know scored a few kills in his back in the day yeah, we know he fought for the rebellion, so. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So. 
but all, that's all I have for Act Two because my only other note was about Kaz picking himself back up, which we already talked about. So. All right. So you want to wrap <clears throat> Gorg up? Oh yeah, I want to wrap the Gorg up. You want to take take this dead pet and eat it? No. It's delicious. Bitey is very much alive and thriving in the gay uncle shop. <laughs> the shop for gay uncles. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Act three. Act three. So the pirates are coming to attack the platform, and Kaz, BB-8, and Greville are all exposed to them on the docks. The platform's defenses are kicking in and threatening to trap Kaz and Greville out there, and the aces are launched to start their air battle with the pirates. And in the process, Kaz and Greville are thrown off the platform, and they land on Kragen and Pirate Mom Sonara's ship. Hi, Sonara. Welcome to the show in your very small cameo. And I love you. And I'm very excited that you're here for your character's arc in this series because you're one of the best written characters of Resistance. Welcome, even though you don't do much here. They're flung back onto the dock. And thus far in Act 3, Kaz has gotten like five concussions. Kaz grabs BB-8 and flings him through the blast doors and hops through. But when Greville is about to get trapped outside... Kaz shoves his plot trophy into the door to hold open. And Greville gets in and runs away. Kaz's trophy is partially crushed in the process. Even if he is a bit disappointed, Kaz realizes that he's lucky to be alive and will need better pockets for that very special trophy going forward. Anyway, the battle between the aces and the pirates rage outside with a storm. And Kaz watches from the window and realizes that the aces are outnumbered by the pirates. And he turns to BB-8 and goes... I have an idea, and it's so crazy that only I could think of it, and it may or may not work. Let's go! And Kaz and BB-8 run back to the hangar and sees the client's comm down in the hole. BB-8 snatches it up, and taking it, Kaz turns on the comm and does the super loud feedback plot point mistake from earlier. Only this time, it's his weapon. A high-pitched squeal floods the pirate's comms, giving the aces the opening to start taking them out. The tides quickly turn, and the aces get the upper hand in the battle. With no other choice, the pirates have to flee. And now in her ship, Toradoza wonders if someone helped them out in the battle. And inside, Kaz sits down. He's like, whoa, BB, I think we just saved the station. Holy cow, is this what it's like to being a hero? Is this what it feels like? Is this my life now? Have I taken up the sword of justice, saving the lives of all the people in the Colossus? And BB-8's like, don't get ahead of yourself, kid. The rest of Team Fireball emerges from their shelter to find Kaz working on the fireball. And he's all like, watch this, you guys. And he turns on the ship, which then sputters out and starts to smoke. But you know what? At least Kaz gets an E for effort. And that's some growth on his part. And Tam continues to not believe his bullshit. When she and Niku walk off, it's just Kaz and Yeager. And Yeager is like, So, do you got something you want to eat? And Kaz is like, Yes, it's time for me to eat my humble pie. I'm sorry, I do have a lot to learn. To live as a normal person, and to learn how to budget, and to learn how to feed myself, and cook, and do my own laundry, and process not having everything given to me, as I have to learn how to, I don't always get my way here, and not how to live with my my father's money, and learn how to, you know, I don't have a fancy car anymore, and stuff like that, and Yeager is like, shut up, you damn rich person, 
And Kaz is all like, did you know that that client was a pirate spy, though? And Yeager's like, hey, he paid us. I don't care if he was the Queen of England. Good night. <laughs> and Yeager strolls away. And Kaz is like, um, what's in England? Finally, we flash over to a Star Destroyer out in space. Major Von Reg is chatting with Kragen about the attack. And Von Reg is not very happy about it at all. The First Order has a bargain with the pirates, which is a big old plot point for the rest of the first season. So just go ahead and put a pin in it. Kragen pulls over the fancy client, who is probably going to get killed very, very soon, and blames it all on him. Which, granted, it was the dude's fault for dropping his comm in the first place. That's not a death sentence, but you know, pirates and all. <laughs> and then, Phasma of Tarth strolls forward in all of her underused glory. And she points out that she's not impressed with the pirates. And Kragen says that Captain Doza, who we'll actually meet in a few episodes, but he's Tora's dad, will beg the First Order to take up the Colossus for reasons that will never be explained in the show. Bum, bum, bum. The end. What'd you think of Act 3? I liked that the pirate attack was just oh, gorgeously so rendered. The, I mean, the, the, when... <clears throat> When you cross the CG and the anime look of it, it's almost to the level of like a Kira style anime, although it doesn't look like that all the time because it's got that CG element to it. But like, yeah, it's just was stun stunningly presented. Yeah, fat, my rest of the notes are like pretty, uh, pretty, pretty surface level. Phasma looks great. For what it's worth, <laughs> um, none of the characters are well as well adjusted as the I think as the rebels characters. But then again, the rebels characters and like the Clone Wars not as much as the Clone Wars characters were all PTSD. But the the like the the rebels characters were more psychologically healthy. But I think at the same time they were also forced to be a little more mature by by being basically warriors. Actually, to use a comparison you're, uh, I, I, uh, you were using last night, it's kind of like the difference between Orca and Flix and Ant-Z. Um, when it comes to the Rebels characters, like knowing when we find out that Kanan's an ex-Jedi, we as the fans can do that old like stereotype of like, yeah. okay, use a Jedi and stuff. Like we can fill in those gaps. Yeah. You know, we see him uh, Sabine as a Mandalorian, so we fill in those gaps. But when it comes to Rebels, or I'm sorry, when it comes to Resistance, these are all new characters in a relatively new time period who's having to do the legwork of starting pretty almost from scratch. Right. Yeah, they're different, and they're different kinds of characters. You, you have mm -hmm. to... They have their types, but they're more the types in, like, you know, like, say, like, the beginning episode of, like, Little House on the Prairie to pick something totally random where you just learn all the, learn all the shopkeepers and townspeople and... And they're really, it's more like that, you know? So, um, I think when, like, the scene where, where he's like, look, I'm, I'm doing real work on the fireball now was, I, I don't think it, I would have done it differently because it sort of showed, like, I could do this. I could be halfway decent, but I've been just half asset, you know? It's, it, it's sort of like, look, I'm, I've decided to actually pay attention to this. They they should have thrown in with that scene like a pile of 
manuals and stuff to show that he'd like studied up and stuff. And but that instead was of saying, I, 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 I sort of know how to do this, but I was just sort of goofing off before saying, no, I sat down and did the work to like figure out what I was doing and then started doing it right, you know, or something like that. Just, just something like that. Had a, I had been hitting the books all night and, and I got this done, you know, or something like that, you know. That would give well, away his cover, though, because he specifically tells Tam, I've already been pre-trained. Yeah, but that lie is that lie. Not working, I know. That lie does not work at all. And he should have been just like, yeah, I was being, you know. But then again, he's not, he's not that well, you know, he's you know, not I, that I of a character to do that, you know. I almost made a note about Tam. Um, he doesn't on know how front. to do that, probably. Yeah, like, I almost made a note about Tam, because it's very obvious that she is thinking that she clearly knows that something is up with this guy, but she's, I, I feel like she's kind of waiting just to try and figure him out. And I do have to think that she's putting some trust in Yeager on this one, because Yeager is her father figure. So I think there is some trust in Yeager and his choices in this matter. But I, it's just, it almost reflects poorly on Tam, because she can clearly see that Kaz is lying, because she's constantly testing him. You know, she's constantly going... You know, it doesn't turn left. You have to turn it right. You know, um, yeah, she's she's poor and she works hard and he comes in. Obviously, you th that's the thing is you can't fool her. She's she knows that he's a doofus. Yeah. You know, and all of a sudden he's getting this treatment and she can't know about the spy stuff. So all of a sudden it's just standard workplace, you know you know, I've worked here 10 years, how, you know, it, uh, it happens in every job, you know, somebody's worked there a long time, then there's this new employee that just sort of skates in and gets like, is, is, you know, day manager ahead of them when they were next on the list and stuff. And they're like, who is this kid? Well, he's, you know, he's his cousin. He just came, just, just graduated with a business degree. Yeah. But I've been here for 10 years. I know how the place works. Yeah. But he just got, you know, uh, that sort of thing you know it's it's playing more on those those feelings of of jealousy and and stuff and she's also young too so she's kind of hot-headed about it you know yeah. and reacts you actually very much just like wrapped up very nicely the note that i was like i kind of want to write a note about tam but i don't know how to phrase it and you just phrased it perfectly so thank oh, good. you good <laughs> oh, awesome so that was how exactly how i was feeling it but i couldn't figure out the right words for it anything else no that's all i got all right, so for my notes, um, I, I did want to touch a moment on Sonara, because um, Sonara only has a cameo in this episode, but it's still a really first moment in her overall character journey, because her whole story for Resistance is about finding a new family and a new path. But we have to start her with her old way of life. Like, she is a pirate, and there's a moment where, she, you know, she's excited, and she's like, let's trash this place! And, of course, we find out later that the pirate life is all she knows, and that Kragen actually raised her like a daughter. So while it's brief, like this is still a very important moment for her character because we're seeing her old way of life. So when she does come into the show, which I think is Signal from Sector 6 is her first, her next episode. Um, so when she comes into the show and she starts living on the Colossus and she starts seeing an entire different way of living and meeting new people and learning to care for these people... It forces us to look back to this moment to see her old life and forcing her as a character to compare the two and have to decide her path. So it's it's a cameo, but it's still a very important moment for Sonara. 
Uh-huh. It is. It's 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 only really from for us watching it again. You know, the first time yeah. watching it, you don't know who to. <laughs> she just yeah. whips right by, but yeah. yeah. I mean, that's why we it do. It just shows show. how much thought. Yeah, it just shows they're they're no matter how no matter what it looks like in the beginning of these Filoni shows, they they like by the end of it, you see that they've laid they're laying their groundwork from the first second. Yeah. Um, I always love the scene watching the aces be deployed and they're running down the hallways. But it always stuck out to me that Griff is not with him. Griff is the TIE fighter pilot of the aces. And he's like the gruff old man who wears like his old TIE fighter uniform and stuff like that. He's the most interesting guy in this whole show that like I know you and me like the whole time we're just like. What is his story? What this guy, this guy is, we were all through like, this guy is the most interesting character just waiting for his, waiting for the chance for him to stride in and, and have his moment of glory. And he get he gets some scenes, but like, we don't yeah. get. And it always stuck out on me on this episode because the other four aces are deployed. And I always wondered why he wasn't. And I just wonder if it was supposed to be a red herring. Because this is the first episode where they're introducing the First Order. And it's also showing that the pirates are using old Imperial stuff. So I think if it, I wonder if it was purposeful because you have the, the one ace who's the ex-TIE fighter who is not going out there and fighting ships similar to the Empire. Um, so I always wondered about that. I'm wondering if it was always supposed to be a red herring to, to make us supposedly suspicious of Griff as the possible spy story that never comes to fruition. Yeah, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah me neither. Um, I like the pirates' mishmashed armor and imperial ships. They're really cool and unique. They almost have like a touch of Clone Wars, like when you see their armor and it's all painted and decorated. It has. It almost feels like it's a throwback to Clone Wars. Well, a it's bit. it's almost like the Mad Max movies where they've had to cobble together everything that they have. You know, they have all these these like basically trucks and cars that they've just like armored and lashed together and thrown weapons on. Mm-hmm. Um. So. I wanted to kind of touch a little bit on the what I think is probably the symbolism behind the plot trophy, because I've been very jokingly calling it a plot trophy, but I do think it has a little bit of symbolism behind it, because it oh, yeah. represents Kaz's old way of life and his privileged past, and it clearly holds a lot of value. But as Kaz is starting his new life, his old way of living and thinking is starting to break down, and it's going to continue to crumble away episode by episode until it's crushed like the trophy, and there's nothing left when he loses his home in the season one finale. It's it's I I sort of see it that way. Like I, I mean the trophy, like you can see when the trophy gets crunched down, he's like, oh no, my trophy. And then you can see he had the same thought pattern as me that I would have. That's like, no, now my trophy's become double good because it's become the story. It has more. St- it's added to the story attached to it. He, mm-hmm. it. It was the story of his. You know, I mean, on one level, it's the story of his victory of his race, but it's his really the story of his victory over his father, who didn't want him to d- do the race, and then he won it. And now it's the the, um, you know, the story of the the situation where he saved somebody's life. Uh, you know, it's like it's like having the Bible that like I had this Bible in my breast pocket and it stopped the bullet and I carry it with me to this day. So it, it it's bearing it's bearing the it's it's changing along with him. You know, his good luck is changing along with him and it is it's getting warped and 
you know, it was, it, it was perfect, shiny and wealthy. And now it's like got more character to it <laughs> and it's got a story attached to it. So it's, yeah. sort of, it's sort of symbolically him in a lot of ways. Very much so. Yeah. Um, and the only other note I have is I liked that Kaz took the mistake from earlier, like with the audio feedback incident and changed it into a tool, um, to, to win the episode, I guess, like to, to save the episode. Mm -hmm. So it, it does show like a touch of growth, a growth of him, like taking his mistakes and a little bit of learning on his part of just like, like, oh, I can improvise and, and, and think on my feet and, you know, I think a little bit is that, like, is a little bit of what Poe saw in him, because Kaz is very good at improvising. Um, that That is a skill that he has, is he's very good at, it, even if it's a little bit like the Jar Jarness of, like, kind of, like, stumbling his way through it, I do think Kaz is very good at improvising. Well, he also, kind of like, he also um, saved the day without, like, getting a lot of credit for it. He could have just taken that, that, that comlink and taken it up to the, you know taken it up to the head office and said, hey, here, I got their comlink, and then you can hear their comlink and anticipate their moves and destroy them and get a lot of credit for doing it. But he just did it. You know, he wasn't doing it looking for credit or anything. He just he just improvised it and did it and didn't wasn't wasn't really bragging about it either. Yeah. And I think that says a lot about his character as a person. Uh-huh. He might be grating and annoying at times, but it, like deep down, like he has a no, good. No, he's not malicious. Good, he's yeah. well intentioned. He's just naive. Yeah, very much so. But he's that's a greenhorn. A greenhorn. But that's all I have for the triple dark. Did you have anything else? No. Ready to score this up? Score this gorg up. I'm giving it a seven. Well, hey! I don't didn't like it as much as last episode, but it's not, it wasn't bad. They're always they're always beautiful to look at, you know. I've n I don't I don't think there's an episode of this that I really don't like. There were things that sort of rub rub me the wrong way at first, but once we get going, I'm I'm right on board, you know. So mm -hmm. seven. I, you know that was my score too. Um, this episode's a lot stronger than I remember. Um. To be honest, I always said that this and the Vox Vortex 5000 were my two least favorite episodes, but I'm actually really excited about revisiting it because this was a lot stronger, and I actually really enjoyed watching it. Um, it's a solid story that continues everyone's arcs, and Resistance is a slow burn, and it's fun as it introduces more and more of the set pieces. Um, and it, what, it, what it pretty much comes down to is I'd rather Star Wars take a chance on something and fail to not take a chances at all. And yeah, I think yeah. we're in the time period where they should be doing that. So yeah, yeah. try all and, of the different stuff, you know? And so like slapstick is them taking a chance on something that's somewhat kind of new for Star Wars and it works for some well, people and it doesn't work for others, but at least better than detours. <laughs> yeah. We got a question about whether or not we're covering detours and I don't know enough about it. So I, I'd be like, yeah, I'll well, cover it. There, there's a season of it completed. They yeah. they completed the season. The episodes are five minutes. Yeah. I, oh, first, I didn't know that. Cool. I posted the first season in the Two True Freaks Cantina. If you go in there and scroll down, you'll find it eventually. It's it's <laughs> made by this it, point. Just go to the search menu and search for it in the cantina. Yeah, yeah, and it's made it 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 made it into the cantina, and it's a five minute thing, and it was meh. I have no thoughts. I have not watched it, so I have zero thoughts other but than like I if the it. if the whole season came out, I don't think it would take us very long to review it. We wouldn't it wouldn't be reviewed the same way that you would review this. It's 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 
gags. It's gag storylines. Kind of like Robot Just, Chicken. It does it. Yes. It, it's 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 uh, the same same people. And which well, is why it's, which is different. why it's so disappointing. It is not. Do not expect the level of humor. Of of the Robot Chicken Star Wars stuff. It's it's definitely it was definitely aimed at a more general audience than Robot Chicken. Robot Chicken skirted the lines of rated R, so yeah, you know, uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, I give it a seven out of ten as well. So, yeah. All right. <laughs> which is my standard average yeah, episode the of rare, like, saying, the rare... this is an average. Well, as always, we would love to hear your feedback on iTunes, Twitter, or on the Two True Freaks Facebook page. Actually, if you write and review us on Apple Podcasts, it helps people find the show. Um, this week, our feedback comes from the Two True Freaks Facebook page for our episode, Unfinished Business, with our guest, Bucho and Robbie. Uh-oh. Oh, and there's one from Twitter down here as well. <laughs> it's also related to that. All right, the first one comes from Diego Lemos. I always wondered, what did the galaxy think of the clones after the war? In Legends, the galaxy was very traumatized, hating droids and clones equally. That is the reason Mara Jade joined Luke against Thrawn's clone army to avoid another clone war. But in canon, people seem to hate only the droids after the war. I, I think the- that's something we're going to explore in the Bad Batch show. Um, I know, like, here and there they touched on it, like, like the clones, um, a lot of the clones, because of Order 66, like, helped train the stormtroopers and stuff like that. Um, I know that, like, uh, a lot of them were in those positions, but I know that they were also phased out for stormtroopers because of their individuality right. uh, that they developed. But I think that is something that we're going to, Oh, you say it right there. The next line. There you go. I hope the bad, bad show answers this question. I asked this because go. the last time we will be seeing them until their show starts. What do you guys think? I think, um, droids, See, it's different because droids, you know, we're not talking battle droids running around. People just hated droids in general, you know, and droids are everywhere and clones aren't everywhere. You know, clones are uh, there's a, a certain amount of clones. They had a lot of clones. A lot of clones got killed, though. And so, you know, people aren't just running into clones, but there's droids everywhere. So I guess maybe just droids got more guff because and and there were people that like looked like clones that were getting hated on because you know the like the poor droids getting yelled at in Star Wars weren't even in the clone wars they're just like you know just doing their job <laughs> they're fixing fixing stuff and helping Luke Skywalker and stuff What are you talking but, about R2 was the greatest hero of clone wars <laughs> I know, I know, but I, yeah, but that's what I'm saying. He wasn't. I know, I know. I'm just being know, pretentious. But the, you know, but people were taking out the 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 battle droids on regular droids, whereas clones, you know, just you, you're just probably not gonna, you know, you could probably go your whole life without ever seeing a clone. It's probably just a little more likely that you'll see a clone than you would a Jedi, which means probably not likely at all. All right. Yeah. And our next letter comes from Paul C. Kelly. Oh, yeah. Anakin's dark comment to Trench as he is falling to his death is a great foreshadowing of future Darth Vader kills like Captain Nita in The Empire Strikes Back. Apology accepted, Captain Nita. Or as Commander Krennic, try not to choke on your aspirations, Director Krennic. 
Always remember that Darth Vader behind that mask is bitchy drama queen Anakin Skywalker. Just a little shit, yeah. Yep, he'll always be. I was curious. I was curious if Echo still had his chip, and hearing your discussions on the idea of Rex trying to deactivate their chips in the first episode of Bad Batch makes me think he will have it. But the question is, does he live on to the original Star Wars trilogy era? Possibly Echo and the Bad Batch will become a separate gang of old clones. Who knows? Maybe they show up in the Mandalorian at some part. That would be interesting. Which would be very interesting. There's a lot of things that I... uh, I think Rex... Well, I wouldn't say Rex. I, I do think there's always a chance to... Honestly, we already have an old clone. It's Boba. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and we yeah. actually have that joke of like him going, I think the Empire would recognize me. <laughs> he's he's so. a semi clone, though. That's the thing is he's yeah. a, he's actually a real clone, whereas the other clones were tweaked versions of Django. He's actually Django. You know, he's basically Django's twin brother son. <laughs> they got a real space trailer park mean, relationship there. I just thought of the show Sister Wives. This is Boba. He's not twin brother son. Ugh, 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 ugh. From Twitter, we have uh, Bucho. Yeah, Bucho, actually, is one of our new patrons for What Makes Friends Watch Cartoons. We haven't recorded a new episode. Then I will make sure to pronounce his name right. (laughs) Bucho. But, uh, yeah. He said, this episode was such hot stuff, it set off Robbie's smoke alarm. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I remember that. That was a lot of fun. We were just sitting there just like, is Robbie okay over there? <laughs> it's not the first time that's happened on a podcast with me either. Yeah, actually, uh, Robbie just ran a bit, because um, Robbie, who was our guest for that show with Bucho, um, from the podcast, Sin and the Clones, so go check them out. Um, Robbie also has another show called Order 42, and he does like interviews and game streaming and reviews and stuff, and it's on uh, YouTube, but it's also on Twitch. And I was watching one of his Twitch streams recently because he was playing Breath of the Wild, and he did a whole bit about a smoke alarm going off because he was trying to like escape 2020. So <laughs> yeah, go check out uh, Sending the Clones with Butcho and Robbie and Order 42 shows. They're, they're friends of our shows, so. I don't have any candy, so. <laughs> yep, yep, we're waiting on candy, so the candy's candy's got to wait, but there'll be candy in the future. Don't worry. Candy's well, on the horizon. In that case, where can people find you, Chris? You can find me at twotruefreaks.com. That's our podcast webpage. You can sign up for any of our podcasts there, or all of them if you want to, if you sign up for the main feed, or you can sign up for them on iTunes. You can also find us on Facebook where we've got the Two True Freaks podcast where we also post all our podcasts in the Two True Freaks cantina where we hang out. And we are also on the dreaded Twitter and Twitter is run by Gene Gene, the announcing machine. Do, 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 Gene. That's me the, trying to do the, announcement. The voice of the show. I love first, the new the opening, first, by the way, the, 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 He's not the first voice you hear. The first voice you hear is actually Todd Grady saying, And now, it's time to sit back and enjoy. But then then, then you hear Gene. I I, by the, I don't think I had a chance to tell you. I love the new opening. You guys, like the, you guys like the new openings? I, yeah. If you guys like the new opening, leave us a comment so Gene can read it in the comments. Yeah, let Gene know. And he's listening. Yeah. 
He's Gene, it always was, it's listening. excellent. It, it, you always give us such amazing openings. Thank you so much. Like it's, it's an excellent opening. You got you, you and him did such a good job on it. It was easy. We did it in the course of an hour. It seemed like I just I said, "Hey, Gene, you want to do this?" He said, "Sure." And I said, "Here's what you say." And like next thing I know, I had a file in my inbox, and off we were to the races. Anyway, that's where they can find me. Where can they find you, Hope Mullinex? You can find us at JGuysAndJedi on Twitter. I run our Twitter account. You can also find me at Hope Mullinex. I also have my website, geekygirlexperience.com, where I write all sorts of reviews, and I talk about animation, Star Wars, queer topics, and sometimes all at the same time. And I've done a lot of writing on Resistance. Um, I've talked about whether or not Orca and Flicks was good queer representation. I've talked about um, Kaz's trauma throughout the, the course of the second season. And of course, I mentioned earlier in this episode is I took a deep dive on the episode of The Recruit. So you can find all those at geekygirlexperience.com. And Chris and I also have another podcast called Hope Makes Chris Watch Cartoons. And it's an animation podcast. And we're currently going through Gravity Falls. And afterwards, we're going to be getting into Avatar The Last Airbender. And we're really excited about that. So it's going to be fun. So. All right, Chris. Oh, my God. I missed all that. You know how bad I had to pee? I couldn't even wait two minutes for this stupid show to end. I had to be like. God crossing my fingers going, I hope I can get out there and pee and get back in the time by the time Hope says where she can find herself. Did you really like go pee and come back that fast? Yeah, it was. It, that I, was I, impressive. I could not. I could. I, I was like, I'm not going to make it the last three minutes of the show. Oh, my God. That so, is so impressive. I could not pee that fast. I, I drank. I, I drank a big organic energy tea. And then during the show, I drank a whole Coca-Cola. So. Holy yeah, cow. I, yeah. Is, More than I cannot see that fast. I'm very impressed. Thank you. <laughs> we'll come back. Guys My next bathroom week. is also very close. Oh, okay. Very close at hand. <laughs> well, guys, come back next week for more resistance, and we're going to be talking about that bitch. Yeah. We're going to hear about who that bitch is, and it's going to be the first real nickname of resistance. I don't know, though. I kind of like. Uh, Phasma of Tarth. <laughs> yeah, that is a good one. Thank you, thank you, thank you. But yeah, next week we're gonna meet that bitch. That bitch. <laughs> Alright, look forward to that. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye. Visit our website at twotruefreaks.com. Two True Freaks is always spelled T W O T R U E. F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search 2TrueFreaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. Dumbass. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening. And join us every Monday for new episodes of Two Two True True Freaks. Freaks.
Fuck you, Dad. This is my trophy. <laughs> uh, I could do this. I could be halfway decent.